This is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Bungani in Washington. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, earlier this month, the U.S. State Department announced that it had opened enrollment into the 2022 Green Card Lottery, also known as the Diversity Visa Immigration Program. The lottery, which is open to people interested in migrating to the United States, was established by the Immigration Act of 1990 to allow people from countries with low immigration rates to migrate to the United States. If somebody approaches you, like asking you, asking money, something like that, that means it's scammer. So in lottery, there's no money unless you've been in front of the consulate. The consulate, when you've been adopted by the consulate, you're going to pay small fees. That is Ali Maki, a Sudanese-American. He migrated to the U.S. after winning the lottery. He gives us some advice on how the process works. And this week in Uganda, media organizations and human rights activists went to court to file a petition challenging the country's controversial new internet law. Uh, they're looking at it as uh, one that is really meant to stifle freedom of expression, but also to cushion the leaders from uh, public scrutiny and uh, being held accountable. That is Robert Sempala. He's the director of the Human Rights Network for Journalists in Uganda. He's also one of the petitioners. And finally, we chat with a Kenyan skydiver breaking barriers as the first female in the country to be licensed as a skydiver. But first, let's listen to your opinions. We asked you what you thought about Uganda's new internet law. And for that, we hit the streets of Kampala for some reactions. Uh, my name is Donima Jorias. Uh, I think this law, eh? it's restricting rights of the people. Yeah, my name is Mazma Andrew. I think the law is malicious because uh, we are seeing so many people being arrested uh, because of computer, in the name of computer misuse. But I think it's more of a political, it's a political tool. I don't think it's something that is going to be implemented by the people of Uganda. It is, they're going to see it as obvious. And me, personally, I feel like it's, it's the government, maybe the people in power are trying to use this law to, uh, to fight against the people that the opposition, people in the opposition will try to, to, uh, to fight them. The law is good because it reduces the indiscipline of people. It will make people like be in straight line because they are misleading our children, the children are learning how to abuse from the internet. On the other hand, it's bad because so if someone is arrested, they won't be able to feed their families. Voice of America. Many thanks to all of you for contributing your opinions on today's question. And let's start in Uganda where media organizations and human rights activists went to court to file a petition challenging the country's new controversial internet law. Robert Sempala is the director of the Human Rights Network for Journalists in Uganda. He told VOA that the petitioners want the court to grant them reprieve because the law is very unpopular. There has been a public resentment about the law. Many people have really spoken out against it, mainly those that practice journalism, uh, but also those that are into civil society and looking at uh, human rights as a whole. 
uh, they're looking at it as uh, one that is really meant to stifle freedom of expression, but also to caution the leaders from uh, public scrutiny and uh, being held accountable. So there's really been wild reaction against the bill, and I am very certain it's not a popular law. The legislation was passed by the National Assembly in September with lawmakers making the case that it was necessary to deter those who hide behind computers to hurt others. The law penalizes violators with fines of up to $3,900 and prison terms of up to seven years. We initially went to the committee of parliament to convince them that this was not a good law. We uh, indicated to them that it did not serve any purpose, so it should be discarded. It ignored public submissions to a tune of 19. All of them were opposed to the same. We wrote to the president uh, requesting him not to sign uh, this particular law, to reject it, or at least uh, send for improvement of it. He didn't listen to us. And now that he signed, we are waiting for it to be gazetted. And the next course of action certainly is challenging it in the constitutional court. Critics of the law, including rights organizations like Amnesty International, say that it would be used to target government opponents and, and critics of government policies. So in this case, we really are hopeful that um, given the strong sentiment, uh, the fact on table, the fact that there are a litany of other laws that, um, that are this bill or this amendment seeks to address is some ground for us to move courts to grant our prayers that this is a bad law, brought in bad light, we wrongly flamed. Uh, so we have really uh, enough ground to believe that uh, the, the courts will listen to us. That was Robert Sempala the director of the Human Rights Network for Journalists in Uganda. You're listening to Upfront on The Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello. This is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Welcome back. Now, earlier this month, the U.S. State Department announced that it had opened enrollment into the 2022 Green Card Lottery, also known as the Diversity Immigration Program. The lottery, which is open to people interested in migrating to the United States, was established by the Immigration Act of 1990 to allow people from countries with low immigration rates to migrate to the United States. The program allocates up to 55,000 immigrant visas available through random selection. However, there are still many in the target countries who have limited knowledge of the program and the application process. Ali Maki is a Sudanese-American immigrant who moved to the U.S., after winning the lottery, he advises people on how to apply and the illegal schemes that often dupe applicants into paying for the free visa lottery. 
He tells me that even though there are no significant changes from last year's lottery program, the removal of the requirement for applicants to possess a passport as a primary condition makes it easier for more people on the continent to apply. I want to start off by asking you, um, what is the process like to apply for this DV lottery? The DV lottery process is like uh, it has a certain requirement to meet, you know, like to get the process. The first time you, you're going to apply, it's like it's going to be like random uh, selection. But when you got the random selection, you, you know, it it's supposed to meet, you know, certain requirements, you know, to do the process, uh, the visa process. Let's say like equivalent of United States high school degree, like from back home, whatever you, you know, from what country you are. It doesn't mm. matter if like you are from, you know, like Franconian country or the English country or other, other language other than, you know, English. But at least you have to like met, you know, like certain requirement, like certain, right. that's certain the educational requirement. It, yeah, the education requirement. The previous year they add uh, a passport number, but this year they took it off. So that's like like plus for African because in some countries it's much tougher to get a passport than you know like especially if you don't have any like um, you know program to travel or to do anything then they're not gonna issue that passport because right. because you just want to like you know apply for a agree I mean uh, apply for uh, the lottery it's not it's, it's tough so to get most, it. so most people this, on the continent don't have a passport. Exactly. Only, they only get exactly. a passport when they're about to travel. And so that was uh, exactly. so many exactly. people. Okay. Exactly. Um, yes. So yes. educational requirements, they have taken away the passport. Does it cost money? Do you Are you charged any time no. to apply? No. No. There's a lot of a lot of people just doing that. But the first apply, just zero. You have to go through the website and it's very simple and easy. It's not, it's not that complicated, you know, like easy steps mm. they're gonna ask you you know like your information your basic information and your education your address all that stuff and you might search you know like studies you know like uh commercial studies and all that stuff but still it's like just like small steps and it's okay. easy to you know like fly so straightforward information you you know you follow the steps uh exactly and yes. then you get a, a picture uh, yes like a picture yes uh, the picture is going to be like light background. It's going to be either white or gray lights. I mean, background. Yeah. And it's going to be, you know, uh, the pixel is going to be like 600 by 600, uh, um, 606 by 600 pixel. And it's going to be less than 200 kilobyte because when you upload it, if like more than 200 kilobytes, it's not going to upload in the website. Right. But okay. the good thing about the website, they had, um, they had a, a way you can check, you know, if you, you know, like your photos, you know, like it, it met this requirement or not before yeah. you, you know, even you apply. Okay. Exactly. So there's yes. a place where you can so, check whether mm-hmm. your photo meets the standard yes. requirement. I've, I've had so many people tell me that these, their offices or platforms or people who approach them saying that if you give us money, we'll help you apply for the green card. What advice would you give to those people? Whenever you apply, look at the website. If, if somebody approaches you, like asking you, asking money, something like that, that means it's common. So in lottery, there's no money unless you've been in front of the consulate. The consulate, when you've been at the consulate, you're going to pay small fees. And when you got the visas, there's a, a, a green card um fees you have to pay before you enter the United States. But that's mm-hmm. like that's like 
next step or the third step, you know. Okay. It, but the first step is no money on it. So, okay. so somebody the primary stage is you don't pay any money. The second part no is, money. So no. how long does it take to find out if you've won or not? Okay, so it's going to open from October and it's going to end up by uh, May, I mean, November 5th. But the result is going to be by May 8th or between May 5th and May 8th. So that's when you when you're gonna find out. it out. And yes. and 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 what happens after you you win? You know, after they after what, they give what, you the result after, that you won. After after you win, the, uh, um, so you have to do uh, more delicate, you know, like this form. You have to fill it up. That form is gonna ask you a lot of stuff. You know, from the day you born, almost like today, the way you are right now. And you have to fill up all the information about your social, you know, uh, application you used it before, your phone numbers, all that stuff. You have to fill it up and you're going to send it. And the process is going to be in contact consular center here. And they're going to, they're going to, they're going to schedule, schedule you and, you know, like your preferred, you know, embassy. Let's say like in Sudan, you're going to do it in Khartoum. Let's say in Kenya, you're going to do it in Ethiopia. Some countries they don't have uh, the consulate. They had they had an embassy, but they, they don't have a consulate. So there's a difference between consulate and the embassies. Some people they say they think if they had a, an embassy, they think they they can do the process for the visa. But now some of them is not there to do it. Hmm. Let's say like Uganda. I think Uganda they had an embassy, but they don't have a consulate. They 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 can travel to Kenya. I think that is the secondary part where you you know you take your biometrics, they take your fingerprints and all that stuff. What happens uh-huh. after the secondary process after you you've gone to the consular or the embassy to get processed? Does the the US government help you with resettlement? No. I think you need like this a small headache. It's going to be headache for some if if you don't know anybody in the United States because they're going to ask you to get a sponsor from United States. Somebody had like an income, let's say you are family of four in Sudan, in Africa. So you need a guy had an income over like 80 or 90 or 100,000 like six figures to sponsor you. So uh and they update that form the form is called I134. They updated this uh June of 2022 they updated. So it's still if you work back home you can add that you know like if you like you had a saving money, you had a stocks homes all that stuff you can add it in that form so it's going to help a little bit but still you need somebody's going to sponsor you in the United States so okay. that's that's a small headache it's going to be like for some people it's going to be tougher and there are some countries that are preferred when it comes to the lottery are there people from certain countries that are have higher chances of winning the green card lottery than other places it's not about the countries but Uh, it's about the people of that country. Let's say like Ethiopia, people more familiar with the, you know the lottery, and they're gonna apply more, like Ghana, Egypt. So they're getting more up, you know, like more you know like chances because mm-hmm. let's say the three those, those three countries they're getting almost third of that you know like uh, chances in uh, lottery. They most of uh, those three countries they're getting over five thousand ch- you know like uh, lottery chances every year. So they are because those countries people familiar with the lottery more than the other countries let's say chat chat people they don't know what's lottery 
So most of the time, they got only like 20, 20 something chances every year. So, mm. so it's going to be like less. But the other countries got more chances because people more familiar with the, you know, the lottery system and they know how to apply and going to be a lot of people too. Even, you know, those three countries, they, you know, over 100,000, uh, I mean, 100 million people population of those countries. So that's why they get more uh, chances. Is there any advice you would give to somebody who's applying to increase their chances of winning? It's it's a good way to, like, if you want to immigrate to the West, lottery is like one of the easiest process to integrate to the West. And it's a good chance. So it's just play. It's free though. So only you need like an internet, your phone, you can use it from your phone, from everywhere. Just get like good shot of your phone, you know, like picture for yourself and try, you know, it's like free. So, so you, it's, it's you a good have, chance, you know, you, you, you need, never know. You need good internet and a lot of luck. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Ali, That's thank you so much for taking time to talk appreciate. to us, man. Really appreciate no it. No problem. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate right. it. Take care. Thank you. That is Ali Maki, who migrated to the U.S. after winning the visa lottery. You're listening to Upfront on The Voice of America. I'm Jackson Bongani. And let's go to East Africa again, this time in Kenya, home to Zainab Alibai. And for Zainab... The sky is the limit. That is both literally and figuratively. Zainab is the first female Kenyan to be licensed as a skydiver, one of the most difficult sports in the world. Zainab is inspiring young women around the continent to be bold and fearless as they work to achieve their dreams. Hannah Bezad reached her in Kilifi County, Kenya, where she currently operates her company, Go Jump Kenya, the first ever drop zone in the country. Well, I started ju- uh, jumping in uh, 2014 in Kenya. Um, but uh, before that, I was just an interior, interior designer decorator. I had my company in, in uh, Mombasa. However, I started jumping and I was just going, doing a few uh, fun jumps here and there. Um, but I did fall into fall in love with this sport tremendously. And I thought of taking it uh, as a profession. And uh, yeah, so after that, I started traveling to different places and I uh, got my ratings. Amazing. What does it mean? What does it bring to you uh, skydiving? It's very unusual to see a, a woman um, doing uh, skydiving and, and instructing it. Well, we do have a few female instructors all over the world. Um, where I worked in Chicago as well, we had a, like four or five uh, female instructors there. But yes, it is very new to an Africa uh, in Africa, right? Um, it is very it is very challenging, especially um, as a Muslim uh, African woman. It means the world to me when I'm up there when I'm jumping. Uh, I feel the freedom of uh, just being completely free and completely zen. I have tried meditation. I've tried different types of sports and whatnot, but there's nothing that compares compares to skydiving for me. Um, when I'm up in the plane and we jump out of the aircraft and you you are at in free fall, there's just absolute bliss for me. And I can tell you this from my experience that nothing compares to that moment when you are in, in, in control of yourself and in, in complete peace for you with yourself. What has been challenging for you in this journey? Well, there have been a, quite a few challenges for me. A, um, female, well, not enough you know, strength. Uh, B, 
uh, it is a men's world out there and in any sports as well. We, we always have challenges with the, with the, with our, uh, the gender. Um, C is my height and weight is I'm a quite a short person and uh, very petite actually, but it was challenging for me to do the tandem course and the AFF course, but I pushed through it and I, I became an instructor. How did you overcome the challenges? What strengths drove you? It was all in my mind and in my heart and in my soul that I want to do this and I overcame it. It was mind beyond anything else. And would you say there's an athlete that you look up to or another role model that, uh, that inspires you? Oh, most definitely, yes. Um, my role models are my instructors, my examiners who have taught me how to skydive. A lot of other fellow skydivers as well. I look up to people who have been in this sport for many, many years or even just a, a newbie as well. Like that person has so much courage and challenge is of their own as well. And that encourages me every day to be better. And what's the best piece of advice those role models gave you? Just be you. Be, be a pit bull and yeah, be a pit bull in the sky. That's it. Fantastic. Zainab, I'd love for you to, to take us into what your life looks like now. Oh, oh my life is extremely, um, again, challenging at the moment. I have just opened the uh, skydiving drop zone in Kenya. It's called Go Jump Kenya. Uh, I am the drop zone owner. Uh, it is based in the Pingo Ridge. It was my dream a couple of years ago that once I get all my ratings and, and be at least uh, very, quite experienced enough, um, I can come back to Kenya and open the drop zones for drop zone for fellow Kenyans to enjoy the sport, to learn more about it, and just, uh, you know, get to know what, what other activities you can do. So at the moment, I am uh, in the process of opening a drop zone, which is, which is just very close by. Uh, my, 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 my other instructors are here already. Uh, and we're just hoping to start very soon. Zainab, your story is quite fascinating. Um, what inspired you to get into skydiving? Is this something that you aspired to do as a child? Is something that you dreamt of as a kid? Actually, no. I, skydiving was not in my agenda whatsoever. Um, there's a friend of mine here in Mombasa who was jumping uh, in in Diani and he approached me and said, let's let's do a skydive. And I was like, no way. There's no possibility of jumping out of a perfectly good airplane. However, we surprised me and we, we did do a tandem. Um, and as soon as I landed, uh, I said, this is going to be my sport. I just got hook, line and sinker into this. Uh, then after two weeks uh, from my first tandem jump, I started doing the AFF course. What is it about the sport that appeals to you? It's the freedom. It's the the challenges that you can you can overcome. Uh, the different skill levels that you can learn every day, every jump is just uh, different to the other, and it's just mind blowing. It's there's so much yet to learn, and this is what I like about skydiving. Every single jump, you learn something new. And what was the reaction of your parents and, and your relatives in general when they found out that you were jumping out of aeroplanes? That must have been an interesting conversation. Well, actually, I did not tell my parents uh, that I did a tandem jump. Um, but six months later, or actually after I got my first A license, my parents came over to Mombasa and I set them down on the, in the living room, put the, my first tandem video in, and I said, please, can you have a look at this? And then 
you know, don't re react or overreact or I don't know what, you know, and just have a look at it and tell me what do you think. Um, my parents looked at it very keenly and I was just looking at their faces. They were beaming the whole time. As soon as my video was all over, my, my father and my mother were like, we are so proud of you. Those are their words. Wow. In case you're just joining us, this is Upfront on the Voice of America. My name is Jackson Vungani. We're speaking to Zainab Albahi. She's the first female licensed skydiver in Kenya. She's joining us from Kilifi, Kenya, where she operates her business. She joins me via phone with our co-host, Hannah Bezad, who is currently in Morocco. Zainab, thank you so much again for joining us today and sharing your story. How popular is the sport of skydiving in Kenya? Unfortunately not. Um, uh, we have few, very few fun jumpers, as we call them, licensed skydivers. Um, they, we probably have a, a network of about 30 or 35 of us. But and hence, this is my dream to open a drop zone and, and make it as a school as well. As I am a now AFF instructor, I want to teach people how to skydive, Kenyans how to skydive. I'm going to make you know Kenyan instructors, Kenyan parachute riggers, um, and now I'm a safety and training advisor officer for United States Parachute Association as well. So I, 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 my dream is to make this sport for our locals, our Kenyans, as well as, you know, enjoyable for tourists and, uh, well, people in general. Zainab, you'll have you come back to Kenya just for that 100%. <laughs> what do you see yourself accomplishing in the next five to 10 years with this drop zone? What's the, you mentioned the dream, but what's the dream at its, you know, most uh, elaborated expression? Well, I want to make this the best drop zone in Africa. People can come up over here all of, from all over the world. I want to own like several aircrafts, um, a proper uh, AFF school, a proper rigging courses, co rigging courses to be done here as well. Work with, you know, the military, work with the Kenyan government and just, you know, put it out there in the market that this is Kenya. Now, Zainab, do you ever have to wear your hijab when you're flying, when you're jumping out of the, the plane? Um, I, I cannot wear my hijab when I'm skydiving. It restricts my uh, flying, but I do cover myself fully uh, in a jumpsuit and we wear helmets and stuff. So I, uh, yeah, that basically it's covering myself is not an option for skydiving. Uh, but at being as a Muslim woman, there is an option of wearing, you know, covering your hair and wearing full sleeve clothes and stuff. So it does not restrict any Muslim woman to say, oh, because I'm not going to be able to cover myself, I can't do a skydive. Yes, you can. And what is the reaction of uh, people when they come to your school or when they see you skydiving? I, you know, in, in traditional societies or even in, in Western societies, this is not a sport that is commonly practiced by women. I'm interested to know how they react to you. Actually, the, the best reaction I have had and the most reaction I have had is people being proud of me. And it's like, really, you did this? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, how? I said, well, if you put up your mind to something, you really accomplish it. And I think that this is the best uh, advice I can give to somebody that if you do, if you want to do something, then go for it. It's, it's never too late. I started skydiving very late in my, my, my life, but it's never too late. And just go for your dream. You're basically breaking barriers and uh, that glass ceiling. Absolutely. There's been a lot of barriers that I have broken. Um, but it's, and again, it, like I said, personal challenges, 
different kinds of challenges that I faced, but I have come through all of it, all of the hurdles. And like you said, yes, it is, it is a bit more challenging as a woman, but it should not stop anybody doing it. Zainab, I have one last question for you. Um, what do you see most promising in the adventure sports in Africa for, for women? What are the trends that you're seeing uh, besides amazing role models like yourself, um, you know, creating spaces and, and holding experiences, holding space for others to, to explore? Okay, I think that there is a lot of potential for adventure sports for, for women here. Um, also because uh, not only that, we, we are creating that opportunity, right? Um, there's other adventure sports like we can do cycling. And again, women don't cycle because they think, oh, we need to, you know, female, uh, Muslim women need to think that we can't cycle because how are we going to get on a bike? But it's just a matter of, uh, you know, getting going through all of that and then still covering yourself, but be able to be um, respectful in the sport and respectful to, your, to yourselves. Um, other adventure sports is like, you know, swimming, um, you know, different horse riding. You can do it here as well. I, I guess there's uh, lots of other opportunities. That was Zainab Albay, the first female licensed skydiver and owner of the company Go Jump Kenya. And that's it for this episode of Upfront on the Voice of America. Many thanks to all of you, our listeners, our guests and correspondents from around the continent. For more current news and analysis, visit our website at voaafrica.com. You can also connect with us on all social media platforms. We are on Facebook and Instagram at VOA Upfront. You can connect with me at Upfront Africa. Until next time, I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington wishing you a great week ahead, Africa. Africa.